I'm the best corner in the game. Don't you ever talk about me. Picked off. It is Richard Sherman. It's picked off by Sherman. Now buckle up. Here he goes. And it is intercepted by Richard Sherman. Broken up. Picked off. This game is over. Well, we're back. Another episode of the Richard Sherman podcast with my host, Mitch Eisenstein. And man, 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 they got me. I thought I could do it. I was doing it. I was doing it. I was really doing it. I was out there. Three days of practice, bang, got it done. It's complete. Another week of practice, bang, got it done. It's complete. Three days after, didn't get it done. Uh, my old body said, uh, yeah, that's, that's enough. Set me down. So got a little bit of a strained hamstring. I'll get my MRI uh, soon. So we'll have more of an update later. But uh, nothing too serious. Nothing to keep me out too long term. I mean, at most, I think a couple weeks. But goodness gracious, I was just starting to get my rhythm. But, uh, you know, you got to roll with the punches in this game. You didn't think that uh, three games in 11 days was uh, what you were signing up for when you jumped on the plane to Tampa Bay, eh? No, you know, I didn't know what I was signing up for, but we 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 need to talk about that. And I think, uh, you know, I tried to roll with the punches and uh, they punched a little too hard. <laughs> you know, Rich, I was fired up, man. Thursday night football, turn on the game. Brady and the boys drive down, score on the opening drive. And uh, and then you guys come out in defense and what was it, two, three plays in on the second play, you know. I, when I watch the game, I, I love watching the defense, but I typically, you know, keep my eyes on you and your play. And when you went down and put your hands behind your knees, it was to me, I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. And then sure enough, the next play. Uh, did you feel it? Obviously, the play before, when, when did it happen? Yeah, it happened to play before, but I thought I could gut it out and thought I could soldier through. And we got out there and Jalen rolled out the pocket and, uh, and threw it to uh, to, to Watkins, uh, and I realized I could not move like I wanted to. And he luckily he was on the ground already. And uh, Jay White had you know kind of made an attempt to make a play at the ball, and he was on the ground. So I just tagged him down and got out of there as quickly as possible. Hey, at least you got the tackle on this injury injured play, man. Right. I know right, you. Right, I right. mean, you look at when you were Tory Achilles. I know Kobe was uh, was somebody that motivated you when when that happened. You're a one tough sob, and for you to walk off the field with a torn Achilles is beyond impressive. Uh, but to play with a uh, with a hamstring issue, that's something you might want to let it rest up so it doesn't linger throughout the weeks uh, ahead. You guys got clearly uh, playoff and Super Bowl aspirations ahead, so. It's glad uh, glad to hear that you're okay, um, and I guess we'll see what happens with the MRI tomorrow. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was really it, it was really cool to see see my teammates step up. Um, uh, Jamil Dean had a heck of a game, man. He had three PBUs, an interception, two two weeks in a row, got an interception out there playing fantastic football. Um, and 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 hats off to him. He's playing really confident. I mean, those guys are really fast. You know, they had a really speedy receiver core and. On his interception, you could see him running, running step for step, uh, um, and making a play on the football, and uh, that's what it's going to take. You know, that's what's really cool about this team is, is there's there's so much depth, um, and when when Carlton Davis comes back, and when um, uh, when Sean comes back, it's going to be even better. Yeah, you talk about depth I, throughout the week. It was funny because Leonard Fournette was uh, was quoted basically 
saying something that you had said to him in the locker room about how this team is the most talented team you've ever been a part of. Um, it's wild because when I was watching the game last night, you know, when OJ Howard scored, I'm like, holy cow, he's tight end number three, former first round pick out of Bama. I mean, how, how deep truly is this team so that, you know, the listeners can fully understand. I mean, they can see it. I mean, there's, there's freaking first rounders all up and down the roster. There's former pro bowlers, all pros up and down the roster. There's all decade team up and down the roster. Um, even the guys who, who, who aren't, you know, any of those things are really talented players. Um, offensive line is incredibly sound. You got, um, Ryan Jensen played fantastic game the other night. Um, Tristan Wirfs, um, and Donnie, uh, at the left tackle, they, they're playing fantastic. Um, Ali, uh, every, you know, the whole line is playing really well. And that, that was a really talented front, um, and you can't, you you know, they're, they aren't easily handled. And they, they did a great job of giving Tom time. Uh, I don't think he was hit in the game. I mean, outside of that one play during the interception where he, they got in a shoving match, and uh, <laughs> I think that went viral. Yeah, Tom, Tom looked amazing last night. I mean, it's funny because, you know, you look at him and you think, holy smokes, here's a 43-year-old. I'm 34 and I feel old. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in nine years, and he's just dominating Still, like this is MVP style, you know, season yet again at 43. When is it ever going to stop is the true question. I don't know. I mean, like, like people thought he was joking when he was talking about he could play to 55. And, and I don't think he was joking at all. You know, I, he does a great job taking care of his body. Um, he's a great teammate. He does a great job communicating. And uh, it seems like he's still having fun. You know, I think some people get bored and complacent with success and with greatness and, and with just you know, being, being great for so long, complacency is easy to, you know, fall into. And, and he hasn't, you know, he's still having fun every game. You can see him getting hype, you know, getting energized and he's been doing it over 20 years. Um, it's crazy because some of the, some of the guys that, that are teammates with him weren't even born or were babies when he first started in the league, uh, which is wild, you know, and, and, you know, we talked about me playing with Winfield's um, dad. I mean, he, <laughs> my goodness. I mean, he, he was watched by, by, by all these kids growing up. They're playing with, you know, playing on the same team at his own same field and it's sharing the same locker room. Um, it's really cool to see. That's wild, man. Well, on the opposite side of the ball, you guys were going against Jalen Hurts. I mean, it seemed like it was smooth sailing in the first half. And then, you know, Jalen started to do his thing. Uh, obviously, he had a couple touchdown runs there. What do you think of him and his game? Where do you think he ranks amongst uh, the QBs in the league? Well, I think he he's, he did a great job of just taking what the defense gave him. I think he he he's one of those quarterbacks who wants to make a point not to rely on his legs. You know, he wants to rely on his arm and show people that he can play from the pocket. And I think in the second half, he kind of threw that out the window and, and wanted to just, hey, I want to make put my stamp on the game and bring my team back. And that's what he did, whether it was with his legs or with his arm. He made plays with both. Uh, Miles Sanders also turned it on. You know, I don't think he touched the ball nearly enough in that game. Uh, for them to expect to, to to win. And they still, you know, came really close to, to winning that ball game. Um, but you can see every time Miles Sanders touched the ball, he made freaking huge plays, you know, and, 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 and created issues. Um, they have a really speedy receiving core. They have great tight ends. Um, you know, obviously they, they just lost Zach, but they feel good about their backups. Um, I think they're going to be really good in the future. I think he just is going to have to get to a place where he just does what he does best and trusts what he does best. You know, I don't think he... He has to impress anybody or play in a certain way. And I think sometimes you get pigeonholed in 
to thinking, hey, I have to play this way. You know, I have to show these guys I'm I'm a real quarterback. And, and you you are a real quarterback. You're a na- starter in the National Football League. You've proved the point. Now go out there and execute and, and win ball games. you know. And I think that's what he did in the second half. He just did whatever it took to move the chains, whatever it took to put points on the board. Yeah. Well, I think a little bit of you know Jalen Hurts' value probably took a hit when he was essentially forced to transfer out of Bama. I think people saw him as, you know, uh, inferior to Tua and, you know, not this quarterback that can truly get it done. I mean, you look at him now in the pros, and it seems to me, at least by my naked eye, that he's the better pro player. And maybe Bama made a mistake in letting him go in the first place, but he's got incredible talent, um, you know, outside of the players he was throwing to in Bama, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it. college football is such a such a different beast in the National Football League. Um, and you see that time and time again. You see see the difference in, in success rates. You know, you see some guys who've had enormous success in college, crazy success in college, come to the league and, and, and disappear. You know, they, they go first, second round, you know, and as they should. You know, they, they put it on tape. They've been all Americans. They've done everything they could to put themselves in that position. And Sometimes the National Football League, I don't know if it's overthinking or the wrong scheme or the wrong coaches. You know, it could be anything, the wrong team, the wrong city. Um, any number of things could could really contribute to, to guys not having the same success. But uh, um, I think he has done better in the National Football League. I think he's he's had a, a better career thus far. Um, I think Tua has, has been a little banged up, obviously, um, and, and kind of forced into some situations. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's, you know, every, as you know, in this league, things change in a, in a hurry, you know, and, um, you never know what, what could happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you talked about, you know, guys that are put a lot of pressure on and maybe questioned. I know Devonte Smith, who you obviously went up briefly against last night was questioned because of his size, you know, obviously he's got the height, but he's, he's skinny. Um, but he's a heck of a route runner. He's got a ton of speed. Yet people questioned him after winning the Heisman and doing what he did last year and his process and transitioning to the NFL. Uh, what do you think of his game? Do you think he's got a shot to be something special in this league? I think I, I think it's going to be hand hand in hand with with Jalen Hurts' success, you know. And and again, they have all those weapons. They have other speedy receivers. So it's about Jalen Hurts' ability to get him to football. You know, he's a really dynamic route runner. He's precise. He catches every ball that that's thrown his way. Um, I don't think he's had a drop on the season yet. Uh, but it's, it's you know, that's the thing about playing receiver is, is you're tied to your quarterback. You know, your success is tied to your quarterback and not even just your quarterback, the offensive line and their ability to protect the quarterback. Uh, and so, you know, I think, in his own right, is he as talented as, as, as the rest of these receivers in his core? A hundred percent. I think, you know, I think he could, he could put up some great numbers, but it's going to be up to that offense and, and, and Jalen Hurts to get him the ball so he can showcase his talent. Richard, you just talked about, you know, players that may be a little underrated or overlooked. There's a number of players in this league that don't get the credit that they are due. Um, I think you slotted into that early in your career. What receivers right now do you think are a tier above what people, you know, are painting them to be? Um, that's a great question. That's a really great question. And, and honestly, I think that, that a lot of them are tiered right where they should be. You know, I think, I think you have the, 
the the old elites, you know, you know, every everybody's like, you know, now Nuke Hopkins is old, you know what I mean? Julio's old. Um, AJ Green has had a resurgence out there in Arizona, but he's old. But those are great receivers in this league, and they're they're having a tremendous impact still. That's why Arizona's undefeated right now. Um, they have some of the most talented receivers in the league. Uh, and I think these young guys, um, uh, Jamar Chase, um, Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, the LSU guys, obviously Devontae Adams is right in the middle of all of it uh, as, as, you know, arguably the best receiver in this, in this league and, and the best route runner. And, but, you know, Keenan Allen never gets enough credit ever, ever. I don't give a dang what year it is and what he does. You know, I mean, he, he creates a lot of issues and, Obviously, he has a quarterback in Justin Herbert who's, who knows his his spots and, and is getting him the ball. We just talked about uh, Mike Williams is leading the league in touchdowns right now, and you just don't hear his name brought up very often. You know, he's he he was he was kind of a middling guy early on in his career, and he's really blossomed um, with a different quarterback. And and since they moved to LA, he's really shown his talent. Um, so I can't think of anybody that I that I necessarily feel is super, super underrated. Um, I think, I think there's a, there's two different tiers of, you know, guys that are playing elite football. You know, you got the young, really young, talented guys who are putting it on tape week in and week out. And you got the old guard that are, you know, they've been doing it for forever. They gonna keep doing it. Another one, Rich, that I know you have a tremendous amount of respect for as a former teammate, uh, Tyler Lockett, man, he just, uh, he gets it done. You know, he's a, a heavy hitter. Uh, he's a small guy, but he a home run hitter all the time. I mean, what do you think of his game? Is he underrated or slot where he needs to be? Well, I mean, I think I think there's a tremendous amount of respect out there for for Lockett. You know, I mean, he he and DK, you know, rank among the NFL's best tandems. Um, and I think people that's that's universally understood. You know, I mean, obviously with Russell going down. Um, I think people have kind of lost their luster um, in terms of Seattle, but I think Geno Smith um, came in to the, to the ball game late and really showed some flashes um, that he hadn't shown in years past, you know, the ability to stand in the pocket, deliver balls when he hit, when he hits his back foot, um, read through, you know, an unfortunate mistake late in the game, you know, really, really kind of ruined his day. But, I, I, I'm excited to see how he comes out and uses those weapons because Tyler is one of the best receivers in the league and so is DK. Um, and it's going to be exciting to see um, that offense, whether, whether it can continue to thrive um, without Russell Wilson, who, who, you know, was completing 72% of his passes uh, before the injury. Now we talked about, you know, obviously guys that are underrated, overlooked. The question I have for you, Rich, is what's going on with Odell? Um, it seems like, you know, he was getting back on the right path in, in Cleveland. Obviously, he seems like he's a lot more team, team-centric team and focused on, uh, on the ultimate goal of winning a title. I think the Browns have a hell of a team over there. But the production has been lacking over the last couple of years. Obviously, injuries have come into play. But this year, you know, hopefully he's back to full health. Uh, what do you think needs to happen in his game to get him back to who he was and who he is I don't I don't think that's who he was or who he is has changed you know I think it's really difficult to come back from serious injury after serious injury um I think it's an adjustment and it's it's it takes a second to get back up to game speed to get back 
a chemistry and rapport with your quarterback um, to get your old tricks back, to trust your body like you once did. I mean, people people take that for granted. They're like, oh, you know, it's like 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 putting a, a patch on a tire and you just, oh, just get back on the road. That's not how it works with the human body. You know, you you have a major injury. You have to, you have to, at times you doubt yourself, you know, and, and whether it's consciously or subconsciously, you got to get back into the rhythm of, of, of who you are and, and remembering that you're the guy, you know, you're, you're unstoppable. And I think at one point Odell Beckham understood and believed that he he's an unstoppable receiver when he's going and he's got his rhythm and you put the ball in his spots, he's very difficult to stop. Um, but I think after you have major injuries, you know, you kind of second guess that subconsciously you second guess whether you putting that knee in the ground, that, that foot in the ground hard enough, or, you know, whether, is that the way you used to do it? You start watching your old tape and like, Hey, is that the way I used to move? Am I moving the same way? And you start comparing and contrasting. And I think, I think that'll change. You know, I think he's still getting into the rhythm. It's only what week six of the season. You know, I think um, as the games progress, as he gets more comfortable, um, they have a really tough matchup this week with Arizona. I think you're going to see him uh, start to look like him, his old self and start to be productive. But I think it was a, a, a stretch to expect him to go from, you know, a major injury to, to exactly where he was pre-injury, you know, right off the bat. Yeah, no question. I mean, I am personally, and I know everybody, a lot of other folks are excited for him to get back to full health and get back to his his old ways because he is one of the most prolific route runners and receivers in NFL history. Um, so that'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with him and the Browns throughout this year. But uh, Rich, I, the question you get a lot, um, and I'm going to ask you it too, but uh, who do you think, I know you kind of touched on it briefly, but who are your top three wideouts in the NFL right now? And again, that's, that's, I hate that question because it's so ridiculous to say, you know, it's like saying what, what's the best car out there right now? You know, it's, it's to each, each his own. You know what I mean? You might find somebody who loves Audis and, and is going to say an Audi is the best car or a Mercedes, you know, or, or there's a guy that loves Ferraris or freaking, you know, whatever the case may be, you're going to have different flavors. So uh, like I said, Devonte Devonte Adams is always in that discussion as the best re- receiver in football. Um, uh, New Hopkins is always going to be in that discussion as one of the best receivers in football. Justin Jefferson um, with his consistency and his route running and what he's done is always going to be in that discussion. Uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, who I didn't get a chance to mention before, like I said, he's not underrated anymore. You know, the run he had last year, uh, with Josh Allen um, and the Buffalo Bills, what he was doing, he was putting up darn near MVP numbers by himself. Uh, and so I think he's in that discussion uh, for one of the best receivers in football. Um, I think Jamar Chase is the best young receiver in football right now. This is the Richard Sherman Podcast brought to you by Super Draft Fantasy, the official fantasy partner of Caesar Rewards. Listeners get their first $5 Super Draft contest for free with the promo code PFF at registration. This year, Super Draft is unleashing the Super 15, a game that everybody has seen. You know, you've seen the memes, you've seen the pictures, et cetera, et cetera, but nobody's ever been able to play up until now. You get the $5 player, the $4 player, the $3 player, you know the game, and you get a chance to compete against me. Every week, I'll pick my team on this show, and if you can beat me, you can win some cash rewards and other prizes. No credit card required to claim your free game. Simply download the Superdraft app on the App or Play Store. Use code PFF when you create your account and play your first $5 game free. 
Offer only eligible for new accounts. Super Draft paid fantasy contests are available in 34 states. Must be 18 or older to play. Visit superdraft.io for eligibility restrictions. Now, Richard, I noticed one glaring omission from your from your list of best teams in the NFL, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, it kind of offends me. Um, you left my hometown Detroit Lions off that list. What gives, man? Well, I thought you were going to say the Dallas Cowboys, and I know I'm going to get a lot of grief, a lot of, a lot of stuff for not including the Dallas Cowboys because they've been playing lights-out football. And uh, Dak Prescott, you know, is back where he left off. Um, defense, I mean, we've talked about – uh, Diggs and his his picks. I mean, he's he's having a defensive MVP type season, and you know they deserve a ton of credit as well. But man, the Detroit Lions. It's just I hurt for Dan Campbell. I hurt for him because you can people don't understand the amount of hours coaches put in, the amount of time and dedication and sacrifice that these coaches put in. They put in more hours than the players. You know they're. They're showing up to the building 4.30 in the morning. They're not leaving until 9, 10 o'clock at night. They may get to see their family a few hours a week, you know, if they come on Fridays, if the if the wives and the kids want to show up. Um, but they make tremendous sacrifices throughout the season. And, and you can see it. You could see it, you know, how much he cared and how much he wanted that victory. And it just got taken. You know, it wasn't like, you know, I, it wasn't like they didn't play a good enough game to win that. You know, they played a good enough game. 37 seconds left on the clock. It's unfortunate they didn't make the plays down the stretch to win it. But, you know, I think that's the humanity of the game. You know, I think that that showed. I think fans sometimes get enamored with, oh, man, these guys don't care. These guys aren't putting in effort. These guys, this is their lives. This is their livelihood. This is how they feed their families. And I think sometimes fans feel like they care more than the coaches or the players. And, you know, I mean, at times it may, may be the case for certain teams or certain players, you know, when when it's late in the season and they're, They've won three games. They have no chance at the playoffs, you know, maybe. But I think Dan Campbell showed, you know, the Lions picked the right guy and a guy that 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 is incredibly passionate about this team and about winning. And uh, it's going to do everything he can to, to get the ship righted. Yeah, I mean, being a Detroiter, Rich, I mean, it's it's been a brutal ride. And it, uh, I've been alive for 34 years on this on this great planet. We've won one playoff game i was four years old when that happened one i mean and we want them to be good so bad it's so great to see somebody with so much passion i mean i know you love his energy but like do you think there's crying in football yes yes if you care i mean you saw you saw stefan diggs crying last year when they lost the afc championship game and he stood there on the field and he was crying on the field. Stephon Diggs was crying on the field because they had lost the game because he was putting everything he had. He was putting his heart on his sleeve. He was giving the game everything he had. He was giving the fans everything he had. So there is crying in football. I mean, there's emotion in football. You know, it's not all anger and yelling and woo, let's go. You know, it's it's real pain. You know, it's pain. It's hurt. When, when, when you feel like you can't be stopped and you're stopped. When you feel like you can't be beat and you're beat. When you don't allow yourself to, 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 to recognize failure or accept that as a possibility, then it hurts when it happens because you can't even rationalize the thought that you could lose. Like it takes you to, fall, to, to dive so far off that ledge um, in terms of faith and, and in terms of confidence and in terms of preparation that you, you can't even think of failure and loss as an option. So when you lose, it, it pains you, it destroys you, it, 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 it makes it hard to come back from and it drives people crazy. And that's what, what's the, 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 
the the crazy mental makeup of a lot of successful people is you have the you have to have the audacity to think you cannot fail to be that successful and then you have to fail you have to fail and recover and get back up and then be audacious enough to think that was a that was a fluke and it cannot happen again like it has it's unwavering it's an unwavering thought process and it's it's difficult to even explain but i think a lot of athletes and a lot of coaches and a lot of people with experience will understand what I mean, that level of emotion from a, a team leader, a head coach, what does that do to you as the player? How how does that impact you when you go into Sunday? Well, I, th I think I think it impacts them the same. I think the players that are in the locker room with them, that are in team meetings with him every day, week in and week out, already know the man. They've already seen that side of him. They they spend too much time. We spend more time with each other than we do our families. And, and that's a sad fact. But I mean, you're in a building 10 hours a day. For, I mean, I don't know, uh, 200, 250 days a year with these people, you know, and, and you get to know them intimately. You get to know the ins and outs, the good, the bad, the good days, the bad days, when they're in a good mood, a bad mood, you know, you sit there at lunch with them, you know what food they like, they don't like, you know, and it's just through osmosis, it's human, it's human interaction. So I think the team respects that. You know, I don't think you, you're you going to hear a lot of teammates like, man, I don't understand why he's crying. That's kind of soft. Or, you're not going to hear that. You're going to hear, hey, we know this man, how much this man cares and how much he wants it, and we want it for him just as bad. No question, man. That's, uh, I'm telling it, it from a Detroiter's perspective and, and being faced with uh, being a fan for my whole life and, you know, not really having any other option to turn to outside of obviously rooting for you, um it is refreshing to have a coach in here that that gives a damn you know is is impacted by losing because so often it was just it seemed like it was expected it, it is what it is kind of thing oh same old lions but to have that level of energy and commitment it show it's something different it's something fresh and you know it's exciting although an 0 and 5 start you can see hopes on the horizon yeah, I mean, and, and, and sometimes this, these situations need to happen. I mean, you found a franchise left tackle, you know, picking early in the draft, and, and, and that's what you need to build. You know, it sucks to build. It, it, you have to lose to build. The Rams didn't get Aaron Donald by being very good. You know, they didn't get all those great draft picks by being a great team. Um, they weren't a great team. And then they, they, they stockpiled. They found the right coaches. They had the talent finally. And now they, they're rolling. You know, Sean McVay has them rolling. But I think – there's something to be said about how you treat your players as well. You know, they've had probably they've had a couple generational talents, you know, some of the best to ever step field, step foot on the field, you know, and Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. And I don't think they've treated them that way, you know, and, they're, they're, you know, I don't know if it's football gods or it's karma or whatever it is, but you have to, you have to reconcile that. You have to go back to those guys and, and give them respect. You don't take money from Calvin Johnson, right. Calvin Johnson, it's put Detroit on the map. Barry Sanders put Detroit on the map. You don't talk, take money from them. You listen to them. You do what they say. Dude, you don't, you're not bigger than them. You know what I mean? Like maybe the Dallas Cowboys are, are bigger than the player. You know what I mean? Pittsburgh Steelers are bigger than the player. Um, you know, there are some franchises, 49ers are bigger than the player, but Detroit isn't there. The the best you've ever had. And, and those franchises don't treat their players bad. You know, if, if an all-time great Pittsburgh Steeler comes back or retires or, or does something, you can see what they're doing with Big Ben. They're letting Ben go out on his own terms. They're letting Ben ride it to the wheels fall off, and they're, they're showing a tremendous amount of loyalty towards him and respect and regard. 
And, and that's, you can respect that as a player. Cause they're like, you don't see that very often. And that's, what's unfortunate about Detroit franchise is that like, you have to show those guys, those are your, the best you've ever had. And you treat them like they're just another guy to come through Detroit. Right. I mean, anytime like Calvin was just finally back at Ford field being recognized by the team and and when the team owner came up everyone booed and as soon as calvin took the mic everyone gave him the standing oh that he so deserves but to your point rich it's like you know these guys sacrificed them them their entire professional careers to try to build something here show them the respect that they are due uh you richard you talked about calvin johnson what was it like going up against him where does he rank in the I guess, Richard Sherman hierarchy of, of wide receivers that you've faced in your professional career? I mean, he's right up there near the top. I mean, he's, 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 he's freaking 6'5", can jump out of the gym, can run faster than any of the receivers you will ever see. And he's like, there's nothing he couldn't do. So he's, he's the biggest receiver you're going to face and, and moves like the smallest receiver you're going to face. I mean, that's why he was a generational talent. That's why he's an all-timer. I mean, you throw three people, they, have, they were doing punt vice on him in the red zone. Like, they aren't doing that on any receiver you see these days. You don't see them putting two guys at the line of scrimmage in the red zone on the goal line against anybody else. They, they thought he was so unstoppable that they had to put two guys and sacrifice that. They're pretty much saying, hey, run the ball. We'll let you have that. We're not letting you throw it to this guy. And it's just sad, man. It's sad because, again, we were talking about earlier, it depends on where you're drafted and the situation you're put into. Like, if he was a Dallas Cowboy, could you imagine if he was a San Francisco 49er? If you could imagine if he was if, – if, if he went somewhere else, you know what I mean? If he was – He probably would have gutted it out through his injuries and played till 33-34 and set – numerous NFL records because at right. what point does your body and your mind take precedent over playing football for a franchise that doesn't seem to prioritize winning right right and he sacrificed he played through injuries he did all that he could barely Everything. walk you could talk to his teammates he could barely walk and he was doing that because he respected the men he was in a room with that that he was sharing the building with the men that he grinded with not because he respected that ownership or the way they treated him it's because he wanted to win for 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 matt stafford and the, and the guys that he was he was playing with marvin jones and and the guys that were on his team um but i just it's just sad man that that he 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 didn't have the career or 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 get the respect from from the franchise that he gave everything to but we can we can live down that rabbit hole Richard, it's Thursday night. We normally record on Tuesdays. Obviously, I'm sorry, it's, fri it's Friday night. Uh, my days are clearly confused here. Um, tomorrow is game day, Saturday. We've uh, about halfway through the college season. Who, who do you like? Obviously, they're going to be rolling out the, the college football playoff predictions left and right. Who stands out to you at the midway point of the season? I don't Obviously, like, it's a stand like, for Cardinal, but we'll put them aside. It's for always now. the Cardinal. But I just don't like college football anymore because they never get the Pac-10 in it because, <laughs> you know, we always destroy each other and we never make it. But it, it's just the SEC and the people are going to call me biased or like, hater. It's just it, it 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 makes it so it's always unfair, even if an SEC team is not as good as their ranking. Like they could be number nine in the nation to start the year, they'll they'll play a team that's four, and they'll lose, and then they'll lose three four games. But the team that's four, 
will will be bumped up to one or two because they beat the number nine team when the number nine team shouldn't have been the number nine team. Or you'll you'll have them arguing that two lost SEC teams should be in the playoffs over almost undefeated teams um, or undefeated teams. Like they're saying, hey, if Bama doesn't even make the SEC championship and win it, they should still go to the playoff. And it's like, it's it's crazy, you know, and that's that's the reason why why college football and they'll likely win it if they go for sure, you know, because they they're, they're they're built to win it. They they do it every year. It, it doesn't um, matter with them. It's it's you're right. I mean, they have so much NFL talent on that team. The longer the season goes on, the more prepared they are going to be to win a title. So when you you know discredit essentially Texas A and M beating them in amazing fashion, a incredible game. But then they only drop in the rankings to five, right? I mean, they're inevitably going to squeeze into the top four and they're going to make the playoffs. At some point in time, they've got to, to your point, eliminate this SEC bias. Everyone knows Bama's the cream of the crop, but why is it that they just don't care about them losing to Texas A&M when if any other team were to lose that game, they would drop out of the top 10? No question, no question, and that's that's the it's because Bama is who they are. You know, they they've earned this right. They've earned national championship after national championship after national championship. Every playoff, I think, since its inception, they've been in. Um, and but I think that's what's what what makes college football so so predictable and not not as fun to watch because it's it's there's you know what's going to happen. Hey, Bama's going to get in the playoffs and they're likely going to win it. Every now and then, Clemson will f- figure out a way to do it. Ohio State has figured out a way to to, to get through the game and win it. Um, but more than likely, more t- times out of, than not, uh, LSU went and got it one time. Um, but Bama's going to likely win it. And there's not enough parity in college football right now. There's not parity because, because for the first time since 2008, a number one ranked team lost to an unranked team, and they're still top five. All right. And and like you can't and and it's and it, it really it's accurate it's a it's a good ranking because they're really a top of that they're probably still the best team in the nation they just lost but you have to have some consequence for losing exactly exactly you can't you can't just simply put them at five they're gonna be they're gonna squeeze their way in doesn't matter um, Richard I have turned you into a semi Michigan State Spartan fan and we're looking. Midway through at the Heisman race is starting to develop. Kenneth Walker III is the, if you go on the Vegas odds, he's the fourth highest odds of winning the Heisman. This kid's an absolute stud. I mean, he's 94-yard run last week against Rutgers. I know you don't know his game a ton, but you watch him for 10 plays and you can immediately see NFL talent. Is there anything about him that screams Heisman to you? Yeah, I mean, his talent. I mean, what he's done is, is what screams Heisman to me. Um, the man is put it on tape. He's, he's, he's gone out there weak. It, it was an unheralded Michigan State team to begin the season. Even you yourself was like, hey, you know, there's not a ton of high expectations, but you were going to the games and you were excited. You were excited to, to see your boys play. And they've won every game they played in. And he's a huge part of that. He came in. And I think that's the most cool kind of story is the guy who nobody expects to be something. And he's out here showing you, hey, he's special. And he's showing it week in and week out consistently. And yet, to your point, Richard, you look at Vegas's odds of winning the Heisman. And up there are Bryce Young, Matt Coral, 
and CJ Strode from Ohio State. All the two SEC schools and then Ohio State. What do they all have in common? They all have losses on the season. Why is it that these unheralded players that are proving it, I mean, here's a guy that leads the nation in rushing yards by a landslide and is putting up highlight reel after highlight reel, and he's not even the top dog in the fight right now. Don't, don't get me started on that. I mean, that's Stanford in a, in a nutshell every year. I mean, Andrew Luck, you know, uh, Toby Gerhard, Christian McCaffrey, second, 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 second. And their excuse was, <clears throat> can play enough. It doesn't matter that their stats are gaudy. It doesn't matter that Christian McCaffrey broke the, broke the all-time record that Barry Sanders set. It's like they don't watch enough. You know, they only watch what they want to watch. So they're not watching Michigan State right now because they don't think they have to. They don't think they need to. They don't think it's relevant. And by the time it's relevant, it'll be the Big Ten championship game and they'll be playing or it'll be them against Michigan. And they'll be like, wait, who's this kid? Wow, he's pretty good. But but by then their minds are already made up on who deserves to win it. Let's switch gears here a little bit. I want to talk about something that I know is near and dear to your heart. We've talked enough about my hometown. Richard, you are a massive L.A. Lakers fan. So much so, I'll never forget us sitting second row at the ESPYs years ago. And I can't even remember what was going on, but the, the camera was on you and you're on your phone. I'm like, Rich, what are you doing? And I looked down and you're watching uh, uh, whoever the center was, the Serbian center, uh, Vaka Zubak or whatever his name yeah, is. Zubak. For the, Zubak. And you're like, I'm watching the summer league. I'm watching my boy Zubak. Richard, what are your expectations this year in the NBA? Who do you like Championship. the most? Lakers, 18, <laughs> Banner, Parade. What do you think about what's going on with Kyrie right now? Parade, Banner, Lakers. Oh, um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those situations where, you know, he's making a point. Um, he's he's protesting. Uh, you know, he says he's doing it for the people who can't speak, the people that are losing their jobs to the vaccine. <sighs> I mean, it's exhausting to to talk about, you know, because it's talked about all day every day but i mean it's just his decision and you know he will have to live with the consequences and 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 you know if he feels good about where he stands in it you know it's it's his decision to make it's unfortunate because his team has championship aspirations and he's a huge part of those championship aspirations and as stephen a smith said these guys came left their teams you know james harden came everybody came uh to play with you in in brooklyn and for you to say, hey, well, I'm making a decision for me after these guys selflessly selflessly came out for you um, is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, as a as an athlete, I know these are like new circumstances that we're dealing with, but I'm sure that you dealt with some level of this parallel throughout your career where maybe a player was saying they were injured and wasn't. You know, obviously for KD, guys like KD and Harden that – said, I came here to play with you. How does that impact you as an athlete when you see a, a fellow teammate be, I, I guess the word, selfish? Well, I mean, you, you try to keep it, you try to keep it in perspective. You know what I mean? He's a teammate, you know, and, and you, you as a teammate and as a family member, you try to treat it that way. You try to keep things in, in, in the most optimistic uh, perspective. You try to say, hey, we love him. He's doing what's best for him. We support him, you know, and that's all you can do. Or, or things get too negative in your head and you can never get to a space where you can play productive basketball if he comes back. So I, I don't think they're allowing themselves to go down that rabbit hole in a negative way. Um, I think they're, they're supporting him. Um, 
they're confident that he'll 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 change his mind and come help them win a championship. Uh, and that's all they can do, you know, because if they turn the other way, you know, there's no coming back from that. There's no coming back once you once you turn your your mind into that negative space and say he's selfish and he's he's letting us down and he's he's he don't want to he don't really mess with us like that or he's because one, even once he comes back the chemistry's gone you know what i mean because you always have that 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 feeling towards him another week another super 15 contest by super draft and you know me i gotta pick my team if you want to pick your team use the promo code pff to get your first game for free this week you know, last week I went a little different. This week I'm going with the heavy hitters first. My $5 pick, the man, the myth, the legend, highest completion percentage, all that good stuff coming off a heck of a game. Lamar Jackson, I need you to do it for me. Do it for me. See what you did for others. I need you to do that for me. My number, my $4, my $4 pick is going to be Jonathan Taylor, 25 runs of 15 plus only second behind derrick henry again i need that from you this week my three dollar pick is going to be no other none other than mike williams of the la chargers big play machine touchdown maker leading the league in touchdowns right now give me those points my two dollar pick is going to be one of lamar's favorite targets mark andrews the highest graded tight end in PFF. I need it. You know I need it. And I got to beat Mitch this week. Now Mitch wants to get involved. He's the least. Damn one right, I'm getting involved. My $1 is Devontae Booker. For obvious reasons. He's subbing in for Saquon. He's he's primed for a big week. They're going to they're gonna need him to have a big week. And I'm going to need you to have a big week. Mitch, who you got? I like your Devontae Booker pick. I got him in mind, too. I think he's going to be uh, have an opportunity to get a lot of goal line carries. Obviously, he showed last week he can catch the ball out of the backfield a little bit. Um, and frankly, the Giants look like a little bit better offense this year, whereas years past, they seem to kind of be uh, stuck in that revolving door of sub-mediocrity. Uh, so I got Devontae as well. But starting from the top, I'm doing things a little bit different than you. I'm going the heavy hitters and heavy hitters, two QBs in a row. Your boy, Kyler Murray, you know, most 20 plus yard completions in the NFL. So you want to talk about heavy hitter, there's one for you. Then I'm going Justin Herbert. He's been an absolute stud this year. I think he's a top five quarterback in this league. He's the sky's the limit for him. I mean, he's got a ton of potential, a ton of fantasy potential. PFF's third highest graded QB this season. Justin Herbert's my number two. And then Robert Woods. I mean, it, it pains me. I'm from Detroit. You know, Maddie Stafford's out there slinging the rock to Robert Woods. You know, him and Cooper Cup are really benefiting this year. Robert Woods had a huge week last week. 150 yards, 87 grade on PFF. I think that's going to be another situation for him this week. And then since I went two big ones at the top, I got to go with another dollar. And Hunter Henry is starting to come along now. So, you know, we saw it. And Mac Jones, I think, is elevating his game week after week. I think Hunter Henry's going to get it done. I think he's a great option with $1. So those are my picks. I'm excited to take you down there, Rich. No, I feel good about mine, Mitchell. I feel good. You know, I, I, I like your Kyler Murray picks. I think, you know, he just got another weapon, but he's not active this week in Zach Hurts. Um, obviously, Justin Herbert's doing his thing, but 
Feel good about my guys. We'll see what happens. So, Richard, you I obviously played Thursday. Uh, now it's Friday. You're going to – what are you doing the rest of the weekend? You got time off here. I know you hate Thursday night football. Um, yet again, strikes you. What are you well, doing Saturday and Sunday? Thursday night football dictated what I'm going to be doing, which is rehab every day um, because Thursday night football. Um, so I'll be rehabbing. I'll be sitting here rehabbing, um, rehabbing some more, rehabbing some more, rehabbing some more until my hamstrings better and I can go out and play the game I love. Well, can't wait for that time to come, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a fun time, guys. Thanks so much for joining yet again. Next week, we got a great guest, Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings, who obviously Richard spoke very highly of. We appreciate you guys, Richard. I'll let you sign it off. Well, I appreciate you guys checking in with us. You know, it's another Mitchy Richie connection back at it again. We'll be back at it again next week with Justin Jefferson. We're going to ask him all the questions. If you guys got any questions, you got anything you want us to ask him, submit it to either PFF or you can submit it to me and I'll see if I can find it. Um, but we're going to try to keep it fun, keep it interesting. Um, he's a fun guy. He's a heck of a player. Can't wait.